Good morning, everyone. So I'm sorry that uh, sound is being a little weird. We've actually systematically planned for church systems to fail one by one to convince you that the building project is necessary. <laughs> so next week, don't miss because a tile will fall out right about now. <laughs> now I totally forgot my intro. <laughs> don't you love how that happens? Okay, think for a second. Here we go. Okay, brothers and sisters, today what we want to talk about, we're in the third Sunday of Easter, and we do not think enough about the resurrection. This is the cornerstone of our faith. Christians, we are, we're so easily convinced sometimes that the resurrection is just kind of like the happy end to the story, and they lived happily ever after. And today what I want to do with you is I want to get you to think more deeply about the resurrection. About what an amazing thing it is. About it is the greatest event in all of world history. And it has deep consequences for the way we live our faith. And one of the biggest problems with modern Christianity is we misunderstand much about the resurrection. And so today I want to challenge you on that. Now, to start off with, you always have to kind of clear away a little bit of some of the misunderstandings out there. And one thing I just want to touch on briefly is that we are what we call, I like to call it chronological snobbery. So we just think we're better than people who lived before us. The modern world thinks of itself that way. Uh, it began, part of that is from the Enlightenment. Right? You've heard me say this before. The Enlightenment is this period, uh, really 18th and 19th century Western civilization, and the Enlightenment named itself, right? It, it, it gave itself that name. We're the Enlightenment. I always laugh, my friend Father Matt Book is the pastor of Light of the World, and I'm like, do you guys sing that about yourselves every Sunday? Like, is every Sunday, like, we are the light of the world. <laughs> Take that, lords, <laughs> right? The Enlightenment named itself, and it said, we are the enlightened ones. And so they had, to con they had to conceive history as everyone else was in darkness. And so the, the Enlightenment period and into our own time, it tells us lies, brothers and sisters. And one of the lies it tells us is that people in the ancient world were unintelligent. And that is not true. Have we made progress? Of course. But people in the ancient world were not dumb. And one of the big things out there is that it's an assumption by a lot of people today that the Christian resurrection story was just a common thing ancient people believed. That they just didn't really know any better and they didn't know the dead people stayed dead. That's not true. People in the ancient world knew that people do not come back from the dead. And I really want to challenge you on this. When you hear other people say that, you'll hear people say, well, Christianity stole the resurrection from myths out of India or Egypt or ancient Mesopotamia. That is not true. 
I have heard people say that, and you need to tell those people to go back and do their homework. If you need a good book, here is a 740-page scholarly work on the resurrection. N.T. Wright's book, The Resurrection of the Son of God. And I want to read you two brief quotes from him because I want to bore you. So Wright talks about how in the ancient world, no one believed in the resurrection except for Jews, and they didn't believe it would come until the end of time. They believe that your soul might go to heaven, right? But resurrection is different from that. Resurrection is not your soul going to heaven. Resurrection, look at your hand. Your hand will exist after the resurrection in a glorified state. Your physical hand. No one believed that. Some people believed your soul went to heaven. But it was starting, a lot of people in Jesus' day were starting to think that not even that was true, that not even your soul would go to heaven. Here's what N.T. Wright says. Many people in the ancient world denied the dead any real existence whatsoever. I wasn't, I was, I am not, I don't care, was an inscription so common on tombstones that its initial letters in Latin as well as Greek were inscribed commonly on tombstones. Listen again. I wasn't, right, before you were born, before you were conceived in the womb, I wasn't, I was, I am not, I don't care. Those, that is inscribed on thousands of ancient tombs from Christ's time. Wright spends laborious effort and long time going through this, but at the very end of this section, he says this. He says, the conclusion is clear. Christianity was born into a world where its central claim <laughs> was known to be false. I love that. Christianity was born into a world where its central claim was known to be false. Okay, I gotta set this down. It's a heavy 740-page book. I'm not gonna toss it on the ground. I wanna keep it. People in the ancient world, brothers and sisters, knew, they knew it just as well as we know today that bodies do not come out of graves. They knew that. You've heard me say it before, Galen is the most famous doctor of the Roman world, and Galen's famous quote about Christians is he says, Christians are extraordinary and strange be for two reasons. One is they exercise extraordinary restraint in their sexuality, and two is they actually believe in the resurrection. Because no one did. We've got to think about that. St. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, if the resurrection did not happen, then you are still in your sins 
And we, the apostles, are of all human beings the most to be pitied. If Christ did not rise from the dead, then you are still in your sins. And of all people, the apostles are the most to be pitied. We got to think about that. Okay, so shift gears and we'll come back to all of this. Hopefully we'll tie this together. You never know with me, right? It's like either like, wow, that all came together. It's like that was a total train wreck. See you next week when the tile falls out. (laughs) The ancient world, the the resurrection, brothers and sisters, we kind of have this conception where there's a bargain with God. You ever made a bargain with God? Christians do this all the time. And what we think is there's something of this kind of bargain. And it goes something like, all right, Jesus, it's really hard to be a Christian. I could be doing things that look a lot more fun. Therefore, if I obey you, my life needs to be awesome. Deal. And we don't say that, but we think that. C.S. Lewis, in one of his uh, famous talks he gave during the World War II era, He was at a factory, and one of the questions that came to him from the the workers, and it was like the softball pitch, it was like he planted it out there, and this guy said, what religion will make me the happiest? Just waiting for Lewis to just launch into how Christianity will make you happy and beautiful, and your hair will grow back, and you'll have washboard abs. And Lewis's answer was self worship. Do you want to be happy? Worship yourself. That's what most of our society does today. The purpose of every action is so that I can be happy. It's so that I'm fulfilled. It's so that I'm comfortable and I have pleasure and power and prestige. That's the religion that will probably make you the happiest. The problem is it's a lie. Now, we play on that. The main point I want to get to today, brothers and sisters, and here's the line for you. The resurrection is not just good news. It's a summons to obedience. The resurrection is not just good news. It is a summons to obedience. So yesterday I had this wedding at Holy Ghost. Gorgeous church. Ours will be ten times more beautiful. Just kidding. If you've been to Holy Ghost, it's like, to build that church today would be like $100 million. It's so beautiful. But anyway, I was there yesterday, and I uh, finished Mass, and the wedding went. I was pleased. It went well. And... uh, about seven years ago, my friend Shannon, who's in the Sisters of Life now, she bought me a Patagonia vest, and I just love that vest. And so I wear it all the time. And so I threw on my vest in the sacristy, and I finished it after I finished the wedding, and I ran out, and all the wedding guests are outside, right in front of Holy Ghost. And I'm kind of running to my car to get back to Lourdes, and, I, and one of the guests looked at me and said, and she didn't say it to me, I just overheard it, and she said, Patagonia, such a Colorado priest. (laughs) 
And I was like, I will see you in the confession. No. I actually, I wanted so bad to be like, come on, like, it's cool, right? But here's, it made me think of this today, brothers and sisters, a huge temptation in my life, a huge temptation in my life is to make Christianity palatable for others. And there's something really good in that. And I like that. I want to be a priest. Like my stereotype growing up, and it's a stereotype, but when I was growing up, I just thought, Priests are kind of dry and boring and, you know, I don't know. They just don't relate to people. And I was like, I want to be the priest who does. I want to wear Patagonia, right? <laughs> I'm like, I don't know, whatever else. I know who Lord Huron is and I don't know, whatever else. I, I road bike. I went for a road bike last week, maybe two weeks ago, and one of the, some of the school kids saw me getting on my bike and they were like, Like, Father Brian has a bike too. I'm like, normal, right here, <laughs> relatable. <laughs> One more line, I'm sorry, I've like got a roll today. One more line about that. You know, there's the joke about pastors where they're like, they're perfectly designed to be relatable. Like they have all the coolest like, like trends in fashion and great stories and a tattoo to let you know they have a past. I don't have one. <laughs> A temptation for us, brothers and sisters, is that we want to make people relate to the gospel. That's good, because it is relatable. And we have to get people to see that this matters, and it touches their lives. But that's not what the apostles did. I begin sometimes to feel a little bit like a salesman. But the resurrection is not simply good news. It is a summons to obedience. People send me emails all the time, and, they, and I love it. Last Mass, I said that, and I saw like eight people who had sent me this kind of email in the last week. I was like, I really do love this. But people will bring their family members and their friends to me, or they'll, they'll send me an email, and they'll say, Father Brian... We need you to meet with so-and-so, and we need you to help them become Catholic or come back to their faith or whatever that next step is. And I want to encourage you, I love that. It makes me feel like a priest, and it's my heart of hearts. It's way better than, like, managing construction. People are like, Father Brian, do you like red oak or white oak? And I'm like, I have no idea. Like, I know nothing about this. So it's good to bring those people to me. But what, here's what happens. Christianity all too easily becomes a product. And we can sit in my office, and people, there's this attitude you can kind of feel. It's not intentional, but there's a little bit of a feeling of, sell me on Christianity. What religion will make me the happiest? Father Brian, sell me that it's Catholicism. The resurrection, brothers and sisters, is not just good news. It's a summons to obedience. And sometimes we can turn Christianity, we can cheapen the faith by turning it into one product 
among others. When you go to buy a car, do you want heated seats? Do you want all-wheel drive or four-wheel drive? Do you want a faith, right? When you sell you on Catholicism, right? When you sell you on Christianity, you'll live forever. You'll reconcile to your enemies. You'll have freedom and joy and peace. And you know what we also do is we say, yeah, in those harder parts of the gospel that summon you to obedience, we'll just kind of ignore those. The resurrection is not just good news. It's a summons to obedience. And early Christianity knew that. So brothers and sisters, when the apostles were sent out to the ends of the earth, you and I have this deal with God. We think, Jesus, I love you, and I'm trying to live a good life. So that means that your end of the bargain is to keep me happy. And so that everything kind of goes smooth. And what happens then is when it doesn't, People lose their faith. And they say, God, you didn't hold the bargain. Christianity must not be real because my spouse left me. Or I contracted cancer. Or I lost my job. Or my kids are insane. (laughs) All kids are insane, by the way. And they say, where are you? Christianity must not be real. Brothers and sisters, that was never part of the deal. Never. God does not promise you that your life will go smooth. The apostles have joy, not because everything is going to turn out right, but because they serve the king of the universe who holds the power over sin and death itself and who has redeemed us from the inside out to live forever. That's Christianity. There is no bargain in Christianity that your life will go smooth. The resurrection is not just good news. It's a summons to obedience. My favorite passage of this is in the Acts of the Apostles. So Paul, he's, being, he's sent out and he goes to Athens, right, in this, this bustling metropolis of his day, and he goes to the Areopagus, where all the philosophers sit in the great minds. And if it was me, and here's brothers and sisters, I just, I, this is just a confession, I feel like I cheapen the faith sometimes. And I want people to find Jesus and I want them to come home to the Catholic Church. And it's a tough balance because I want to reach them. But sometimes I go too far. You know, and if I was in the Areopagus and there's all these statues, all these false gods everywhere, just like today. And if I were Paul, I would probably say, hey, you know that goddess of beauty? She's not actually going to bring you beauty. But but Jesus will make you beautiful. 
on the inside. And, you know, that, that God of, of power, God, and Apollo and Zeus, you know, they, they might, they're, they're false, but Jesus has the real power, and all that's true. But here's what Paul says. He says, the times of ignorance God overlooked. But now he commands all men everywhere to repent. Did you hear that? Paul doesn't say, hey, come follow me. Your life's going to get better. He says, the times of ignorance God overlooked. But now he commands everyone, all men everywhere, to repent. And of this he has given assurance to all men by raising him from the dead. No one in history has risen from the dead except Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, if you think the Christian life, and don't get me wrong, your life will be better, but not in the way the world says. Being a Christian will not make you wealthier. It will not give you more pleasure. It will not make your life smoother. In fact, very frequently the opposite will happen. You will be persecuted. Your life will be more risky. You'll be called upon to deny the pleasures that all of us can be bound to. And through that, we're set free. Because we find the God who has redeemed us and loved us, and we live the way we're supposed to. The resurrection is not just good news. It is a summons to obedience. Do you see your faith that way? Do you bargain with God? Do you say, you know, God, I know you command me to go to Mass every Sunday. I know you command me to forgive my enemies. I know you command me to fight lust. I know you command me to conquer my passions and my envy and my pride. What are you going to do for me if I do? That is not Christianity. It never has been and it never will be. The resurrection is not just good news. It's a summons to obedience. Brothers and sisters, do you know what resurrection means? Our story. We fall into the world story. The world tells you your life is about your life. And what happened in the empty tomb on Easter Sunday was that you were freed to let go of that lie. Your life is not about those things. Your life is in him. The only Lord of heaven and earth, who by his resurrection has shown us that he has authority of all those who are alive and all those who have died. He is our king and he summons all to obedience. And if you love him, if you obey him, you will have meaning, purpose, and love. 
you will have eternal life. Praise be Jesus Christ.